Hello, everyone. Welcome to You're Wrong with me, David Harsani, Senior Editor at The Federalist, and Molly Hemingway, Editor-in-Chief of The Federalist. How are you, Molly? I'm great. Great to be here with you. Yeah, it is great. <laughs> uh, I wanted to start by talking about the gun, the gun bill that uh, text was released to, uh, last night. It was a procedural vote, like, immediately. Um, and it looks to me, I think it's going to pass. Um, do, you, do you not find it interesting that you wrote a column last week about the insanity of saying, just do something? And then John Cornyn, Texas senator, said the reason why he worked on the bill was because he just needed to do something, not nothing. And he. I, yeah, I found it funny like that it was a good argument for for restricting freedom. Right. Like he says um, that uh, he said on the on the on, on the floor yesterday that a bunch of people had sent him letters saying do something. So he needed to do something. But, you know, the day before he was at the Texas GOP convention, everyone was booing him. Do those voices not count? Obviously, there's a debate. Those are his voters. Yeah. You understand you don't want your you, you can't do what your base or your voters want. You have to do what powerful interests in Washington, D.C. want. Yeah. So I have a few things to say on the on the bill real quick. I would say the, the first thing I would mention is that it's really poorly written. It's obvious that it was rushed. It's obvious that it was a do something bill where they just wanted to pile in a bunch of stuff that sounded good, but but in many cases probably won't do much. However, it is quite vague and open ended, so it will be abused, especially red flag laws, things like that um, in blue states for sure. Uh, the second thing I wanted to mention is that I, 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 you know, I see a lot of people saying that Democrat, you know, Republicans are going to pay for this, etc. I don't think that's true. I think it'll be probably pretty, pretty popular. Okay, I actually want to take issue with that a little bit. So, you are correct that people don't really dig into the details. They don't think deeply on these things, and that these um, these types of bills might poll poll in a popular way. But again, it gets back to those base issues like Senator John Cornyn wants to become the next leader of the Republican Party. Do you think that this helps him in that quest or hurts him or that there might still be political implications there? That's a little more difficult to say. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to matter much, actually. Um, I think that the anger will be you know, with the base. And, you know, I, I think he's actually given cover to some other Republicans um, by doing this so they don't have to do anything. Do you know what I mean? So it's hard for me to say, um, but I just know in general. And I, I also I want to preface this by saying I think polls on gun policy are ridiculous because you ask people things like, do you want universal background checks? Yeah, you know, I do. Do you want a safety bill? Yeah, I do. Um, but most of the stuff in this bill does not will not affect most gun owners. So and it certainly won't affect people who mm -hmm. don't own guns. So I just don't feel like there's going to be I, I just think it's going to be forgotten. Um, it will be abused. And, you know, I'll probably re be writing about it for years. But I just don't think that most people are going to care that, you know, I could be wrong. But that's no, just my I think my, you're my... I think you're right. So. You also said that this bill would not really do much in terms. Okay, so people said they wanted something done. Presumably, what they wanted something done about were these horrible, like school shooting type events. Um, and that immediately devolves into just a discussion on guns, never a discussion about all the other 
things that actually lead to gun violence. Um, but you said that this bill would not have actually done, it doesn't really relate to the particular issue at hand. What do you mean by that? I mean, I don't think that there's anything in this bill. Now, I should say, let's start with one of the one of the uh, provisions, you know, the funding red flag laws in states. I mean, there's no real evidence that those laws stop mass shootings. They, they you know, some studies say they do. But, you know, as I mentioned in a piece today, they typically bore into the souls of the you know, people whose guns have been taken away and, and assume that they would have done terrible things. Well, we don't know that that's true. Um, but an unlikely source, the Washington Post's fact-checking page, you know, went through every mass shooting since 2015 and found only two cases where red flag laws might have stopped a, a, a mass shooting. And in both of those, I, I kind of take issue with it because in one in Parkland, for instance, the, the cops could have taken the gun away from the kid already because he had actually threatened the school, you know, which is illegal. In any event, it's 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 not going to help much. And the the other one are the uh, you know, the um, so it's complicated. But, you know, the, for, if you're under 21 now, there's going to be sort of a two step background check where the typical three days will be. The check. I just have to say such a messy bill. It's hard to understand how it's going to work, but you get the three days if there's something in your juvenile record that, um, you know, some kind of violent uh, misdemeanor or, or whatever, then they have 10 days to investigate. Um, most mass shooters are, I think the average age is 33 and most do not have any record. So it would be largely irrelevant in those cases as, as well. Um, what it does, it just makes it harder for people to have guns and you create this new category of people who, who are legal citizens, who have a right to have a gun, who will have to go through a different process than everyone else. In fact, I'm unsure that maybe even people who are older can have their juvenile records, you know, looked into and have them, you know, um, undermine their gun rights, you know that in like a month, Chris Murphy's going to be like, uh, you know, the, 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 the background check loophole that we allow, you know, that 19 year olds have to go through. Why don't 30 year olds, 30 year olds have to go through. So anyway, that's just sort of a roundup of the, of the, of the few things I think, think are problematic in the law. I want to talk about my favorite part of the bill for context. First off, the FBI is viewed by many Americans as a corrupted institution. It was deeply involved in the attempt to prevent Donald Trump from winning election and then more so later working to undermine his administration through their participation and weaponization of a made up crazy story about colluding with Russia to steal the 2016 election, spying on multiple people involved in the Republican campaign, lying about what they did, sending like honeypots and confidential human sources and wiretaps and again lying about what they were doing concealing from everybody and john cornyn and his band of you know 10 or so other republican senators voted or put together this bill that that punishes the fbi by giving them an additional 100 million dollars in salaries and expenses I think they're really taking this stuff seriously. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, there's no evidence that there that any of this has anything to do with, you know, setting aside everything you just said, there's just no evidence that any of this has anything to do with the lack of funding for 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 law enforcement or for mental, you know, mental health 
and, and, and stuff like that. If anything, school security probably could use some funding, you know, um, which most Democrats dismiss as, as, as just this, you know, ridiculous thing that, that Republicans have come up with. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't, I don't trust the FBI. In a lot of these cases, you see that um, mass shootings, that, that, that it's the authorities that have dropped the ball, that the FBI dropped the ball, that local authorities didn't communicate with the FBI. There should be a law that says you have to uphold the laws that exist before you make new ones, you know what I mean, in general. But um, so, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and, and for good reason, people don't trust the FBI and really the Republicans in the Senate don't even um, – don't even talk about that. I mean, there's a lot of sort of, um, uh, what would I say, kind of like talk in this bill or a lot of verbiage that verbiage that says, you know, you can't uh, undermine constitutional rights and due process, et cetera. But there's no way, no way that the federal government is going to be able to to keep states to that or they already don't. So, um Again, I just think I just think that it's not going to do much good, but it could do a lot of, of bad. Is it verbi- verbiage, right? I think that's how you. I think that's how you say it. I I get in a lot of trouble because I read, but I don't watch or listen to pronunciations of things, and then I'll realize right as the word is coming out of my mouth on national television. I don't really know how to pronounce it. I'm not 100% confident. And it's always like, yeah, I have the same problem to get out more. (laughs) I like like being in my little cave (laughs) talking to my family members, but it can bite me. Yes. Um, So, so anyway, you know, the other um, big story, and I wanted to talk to you about this is, you know, the January 6th committee is still going on and, um, the more I, you know, I'm not as into this as you are. Obviously, I don't know an, an, as much as you do or even close. But the more I watch and pay attention now, the less I see there is any link between all these sort of disparate, uh, you know, uh, supposed plots that, that, that you know, they're, you know, that, that they're some sort of concerted effort at a coup or to undermine the government. Um uh, you know, so for me, this is is actually turning me off to the whole thing even more. Um, but but I saw today there was a piece uh, or, the, or the, the committee said that they were going to extend public hearings past July 6 when they come back, uh, which tells me even more than before that this is just sort of a partisan effort because they're trying to, you know, make the midterms about Trump and and stuff like that. So let's talk a little bit about how January 6th sort of ties in with future elections and so forth. I think, you know, it always started as an attempt to stem the losses that were expected in the midterm elections in 2022. You know, Nancy Pelosi understood that the only time the majority party didn't lose their chamber the first midterm after their president had been elected was after 9-11. And so she tried to turn this riot into 9-11. I mean, she explicitly said, this is our 9-11 in this in this attempt to have it help her politically. And so it is not surprising at all that they would extend them past July 6th. I mean, I think they might extend them all the way up until the eve of the election in November, because that's really the only function they serve. I don't think anyone reasonable thinks they're actually trying to find out the things that you might want to find in a congressional oversight hearing, such as why the Capitol was left so unprotected, why there weren't better plans in place, or even like why people 
you know, it's it's even the, the problem with it being such a one sided committee is that you don't get a healthy discussion of what's actually going on. So they are sort of judge, jury, executioner on this thing. They want to say there was no legitimate reason to be in any way concerned about the administration of the 2020 election. And so therefore, everyone involved should be put in prison. Uh, mostly that means Donald Trump should be in prison, but all of his supporters, any, any particularly enthusiastic supporters should be imprisoned for having questions about the election. And so I think it's important to remember that such Stalinist show trials are partially about persecuting political opponents and putting them in prison, but they're also about covering up crimes or covering up real stories. And so I have found it really interesting how the committee is engaged in a cover up of what happened in the in the 2020 election. And so they'll, they'll talk about like this very narrow issue, which is was widespread fraud conclusively found? And so then they say, nope, widespread fraud was not conclusively found. Therefore, there can be no questions about the election. I, of course, wrote a book on the 2020 election. And, you know, my book has not a single conspiracy theory in it, debunks quite a few conspiracy theories, and is also about how the entire election was rigged to control a particular outcome. And that can mean everything from how our corporate media engaged in widespread and coordinated propaganda to affect the votes of the population. They did that both by inventing completely fake stories, such as the Atlantic story that Donald Trump had called soldiers, suckers and losers, dead American soldiers, suckers and losers. That was a story that was refuted on the record by like 24 people and, and contemporary pieces of evidence. And the only sourcing for it was supposedly for anonymous people. We have no way of determining whether that's true because they never provided any substantiation or even their own names. Um, so made up stories like that, made up stories like anonymous, in which we were led to believe that a high ranking cabinet official or perhaps Trump family member was concerned about Trump. This was a story that the New York Times uh, published anonymously, again, claiming it was someone high level, turned out to be some low ranking person nobody had ever heard of and who was so low that even like on the day that the op-ed was published, he wasn't even high enough to be one of the like top 60 people at his sub agency. I mean, he, he was just like a nobody, but they lie about stuff like that. They lie. And then of course, lying about the Russia collusion story, which the corporate media lied about for years, but also lying by covering up legitimate stories such as about Hunter Biden. These are things that international election observers say affect the integrity of an election. This is not mere bias, this is propaganda. And then there's also like tech companies rigging things by algorithmic game playing and um, you know, censoring and deplatforming people and elevating the arguments that supported them and down, downgrading the arguments that they don't like, you know, sending fundraising emails from the GOP straight to spam, but making sure that people opened up their other, um, you know, communications from Democrats. Like these are really important things, particularly if we spent four years claiming that Russia spending $100,000 on Facebook ads destroyed the integrity of our election. What about Facebook doing like psychological manipulation on the entire population would be more important. And then it doesn't even get into the 
changing of hundreds of election laws and processes to enable like a flooding of tens of millions of mail-in ballots that at the same time had decreased scrutiny so that you couldn't even detect fraud if it was occurring and it was more likely to occur because there were many more opportunities to occur or the funding by Mark Zuckerberg of and, and takeover of government election offices. They're not talking about any of these things. These were all election determinative issues uh, they only want to talk about whether or not widespread fraud existed. And that is an unserious thing. And the fact that they don't have two sides in this in this star chamber makes it so that nobody's bringing it up because they control everything about it. And, um, and so the cover-up aspect of it, I think, is what we've learned in the more recent days of the January 6th trial, whereas the first part was about um, you know, trying to imprison political opponents. So I definitely consider my incessant skepticism both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in journalism for sure. But as I've watched all of these my pillow ads over the years, I have just been plagued by the question, are these as good as the commercials say they are? I've always wondered this. And when the fine folks over at MyPillow were kind enough to send me some of their products, I was really pleasantly surprised. These things are great. And right now they're having a BOGO extravaganza. So you can get buy one, get one free price on the MyPillow bed sheets as low as $59.98, the Elegance MyPillows as low as $49.98, and that six-piece towel sets. Those are my favorite. Those are included in the BOGO extravaganza. Also, the Roll and Go Anywhere MyPillows for $29.98 and so much more. Those six-piece towel sets are made with cotton grown here in the United States. Other towels feel good but don't absorb, or they absorb but they don't feel good. Every MyPillow towel is made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent and soft to the touch. I can confirm that. It's absolutely true. Like I said, these are my favorites. They have no lotion-y feel either. Every set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. So you got everything you need. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are machine washable and come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. Those roll and go anywhere My pillows. You can use them on your couch, your recliner, or in your car. They're versatile enough to take on vacation or really anywhere you go. They're also available in multiple colors and patterns and machine washable and dry for all you parents. That's the most important part. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee as well. So as you can see, it's a buy one, get one extravaganza over at mypillow.com federalist. Bed sheets and my pillows are just the tip of the iceberg. Find the full list of BOGO offers by visiting mypillow.com federalist or call 800-794-8429. Stock up with buy one, get one free savings today and get Mike's book free with any purchase. MyPillow.com slash Federalist or call 800-794-8429. MyPillow.com slash Federalist. I have two things to say. I always, I always number how many things I have coming to say for some reason. Two, two points. One is um, I find it incredibly undemocratic to say that you're not allowed to challenge or or cast doubt on an election or the outcome of an election or the or the you know precursor or the bills that undermine an election i mean they keep saying that you're undermining democracy by challenging well where are you supposed to talk about this stuff this is why they feed and and make conspiracy they you know the, the side that tries to censor you from asking these questions is actually feeding the conspiracy theories, because people are like, what are they covering up? That's first off. But I just wanted to say, I always find, and your book is obviously different, but I found it strategically um, misplaced or a misplaced strategy to 
constantly talk about how the election was stolen post-election rather than saying these are the things that happen that before an election occurs undermines the vote, meaning we should be concentrating on laws that that allow you to count, you know, past election day or laws that kind of make, uh, you know, create insecure elections. And I know that I know we do talk about it, but I think there's just too much focus on on 2020 and not enough on 2022 and 2024 um, from, you know, Trump's biggest fans. I mean, do, do, do you or does that at all concern you? Because I think baiting him or or talking about 2020 all the time people are past that i think is just is just a bad way to to approach these okay well now i have two things david hersani yeah so the first thing is i find it fascinating when people say oh trump and his supporters they can't move on from the election while at the same exact time there are literal star chain or wait that's not they're figures in star chambers um (laughs) trying to imprison these people for what for for what their views were on the election. I don't think the time to move on from something is when your political opponents are trying to imprison you. That's not a good time to move on because you have to defend yourself and nobody else is going to. So I I do I don't know, it's just um it'd be un inadvisable for anyone to move on until such time as they are uh, free from this attempt to destroy them through imprisonment or you know whatever is going on. But the second thing is, I actually do think people need to look more into the future as opposed to the past because election integrity is an ongoing concern. And you did have like, I don't know, 15 or so states work to tighten their election security after the 2020 election. Those are mostly red states. The efforts to do it in more mixed states were met with vetoes by Democrat governors who knew that these um, changes that had been made had been very advantageous to Democrats. But there are also brand new ways that, that Democrats are working to compromise the integrity of our elections that need to be focused on. So for instance, in March of 2021, just weeks after he took office, President Biden issued an executive order demanding that 600 federal agencies get involved in electioneering and election-related issues. And he said that by within 200 days, they had to turn in their plan of action. Immediately, good government people were like, this is bad because A, the Constitution does not provide for the executive branch to have Uh, election-related oversight, has a limited role for Congress, but the vast majority of it goes to the state. So it's already worrisome from a constitutional perspective. Secondly, when a partisan actor is is asking for something that has partisan benefit, people are very worried about it. And asking agencies to get involved in election-related issues is, um, is a problem because a lot of those agencies offer you know, in addition to the Constitution, a lot of those agencies offer benefits. And so this is the entire reason why the Hatch Act, you know, came to be a long time ago, was that people might feel pressured to support the politicians or policies if they think that they're um, they're not going to get their check or they're not going to get their benefit unless they do something or show, demonstrate that they're doing something supportive to the particular party. And then also the, they had 200 days to turn in their plans for what they were going to do. The plans had to go to Susan Rice. And I'm not joking. It literally said like, send them to Susan. She'll tell you if they're okay or not. Susan Rice, one of the most political, brazenly political people willing to lie repeatedly as she did. You know, remember she's the woman who came out and said that Benghazi was related to a YouTube video, um, which is like one of the most horrible moments of the Obama administration. 
question. She lied about whether she was involved in the unmasking of Michael Flynn, blatantly, brazenly lied. Um, and she's just a super partisan person who's been involved in all sorts of uh, problematic things. Then to make the matter even worse, everyone, of course, foiled for these documents about what exactly agencies are doing because they're kind of worried this is Democrats' midterm strategy. They have not been able to get anything from any agency except for like 12. And so you've had congressional committees, congressional staff, congressmen themselves demanding answers, not getting them. Uh, media outlets have been foiling, not getting answers. They've now been sued for documentation and the agencies are just trying to hold them off until after November. And so by focusing only on 2020, you might miss what, you know, what appears to be a really big problem related to the November midterm strategy. And we don't even know what's going on. Right. And, you know, know, even looking to 2024, I just, I know, I know that if uh, we have a president DeSantis or something, that Democrats are not going to accept the results of those elections either. Do you know what I'm saying? The last Um, time Democrats fully accepted a presidential election they lost was at best 1988. Correct. Correct. And there are people who would argue that they actually haven't for like 20 years prior to that. It's just I, I know we've we for years we've spoken about this pretty much, but it's just amazing to me that there are people sitting on these committees, J6 committee or on TV talking about the big lie and, uh, you know, the horrors of undermining, uh, you know, the veracity of an election who literally did that for four years constantly. I mean, you have people on the J6 committee who actually voted against uh, the electors. Right. I think yeah, in 2017. Uh, yeah. Yes. Right. So Jamie Raskin um, did it. Heck, right. you, yeah, you have it's it's insane. You had Adam Schiff, who for years engaged in an election related conspiracy theory and blatant lie again, claiming he personally had evidence that Donald Trump had colluded with Russia to steal the 2016 election. And he serves on that committee. It's a I'm joke. Me started about that guy. I mean, you know, the the. It wasn't even that. I mean, I don't know who leaked these things or who was sort of orchestrating them, but it seems to me like he was one of the big players. So, I mean, he is more than just a liar. He's corrupt. I mean, his lying goes beyond what a normal politician lies about, right? I mean, he literally, his lies have launched investigations that undermined people's trust in institutions. He's he's one of the most corrupt people in Washington, at least from my perspective. Do you know by any chance what the ratings are for this? Like I have not actually watched them um, and I haven't been following what the ratings are. I don't even know how many days they've televised or not, but I'm under the impression that the ratings are not what they had hoped for. I think they're not. I think maybe the first day started out relatively strong, but then again, I'm like, it's on every station. Of course you're going to get ratings. I mean, how can you not have a certain level of uh, ratings? But I, I just think that the show they put on was kind of boring Aside from all, well, you know how I think it's just this partisan show trial, but um, I think then the ratings went down. I think one poll also showed that the polls actually started moving the other way, where you had independents and sort of more moderate Republicans. I was just thinking, less inclined when you to have them. when you have everyone telling you that you are not allowed to in any way question the results of the election. I have to assume that makes many more people question the results of the election. Absolutely. It's like those little stickers on the records that tell, told kids, you know, that there were, you know, the lyrics they shouldn't be hearing in the, on the record, you know, you just want to buy it more. Um, oh, speaking of 
Wait, yeah. is there more to talk about with J6? I'd like to talk to you about music. I think that that was the perfect accidental segue to our culture uh, section of the I podcast. went to I went to Madison, Wisconsin. Our um, wonderful staff member Kylie Zempel got married last weekend and I got to go to the wedding. It was beautiful. She was absolutely gorgeous. It was amazing. I met lovely people. And I went to Madison, Wisconsin, which was not far from where she got married. And I found this amazing record store called Strictly Discs. Um, And there's this issue where used records are such a hot market. I'm not sure if you've noticed this, that it's actually hard to find used records. It's harder to find used records. So expensive. And you go into these record stores, it's all new records. And Strictly Discs is that too. You go, the top floor is all new, but then there's this magical basement that is the best organized record area I've ever seen um, with thousands upon thousands of used records, all at pretty great prices. And I had a wonderful time there. I have been spending a lot of money on records lately. It's gotten me in some trouble in the Harsani household. I think that um, prices even two years ago were maybe a fourth of what they are now. Yes, it's crazy. Just, and sometimes, you know, I'm buying the kind of somewhat rare records that were uh, sort of indie records in the eighties here, but I buy them from people in Europe and it's cheaper for some reason. So uh-huh. um, I've been spending a lot of money, but since you brought all that up, actually, I want to, um, I want to recommend a pot, another podcast, if I may. It's called. Sure. I have already recommended it to, to, to the other half of the Hemingways. Um, I think it's uh, it's called uh, "You Don't Know Mojack," and uh, it's just fantastic. If you're into '80s underground music, you know, and SST Records, which put out Husker Du, Meat Puppets, Dinosaur Junior, things like that, they literally go through every release that SST has ever put out, one podcast per release, and. Um, and they, um, you know, go through the history of it, have guests on who participated in it. And it's just so wonderful because you have all these people who are in indie rock bands that you loved or I loved that are now like lawyers and accountants and things like that in the real oh. world talking about it. Uh, they give recommendations on other music. It's just really, I think, just a great podcast. And I think more people should listen to it. Um, so let me ask okay. you. Yeah, yeah, go on. Oh, no. I was going to ask you what you're watching or if you're watching. That's what I was going to uh, ask you. Okay. I, um, I've watched, uh, what am I watching? I'm watching Obi-Wan, which is the Star Wars show, which I, if I remember correctly, you do not like that kind of thing. Very I don't much. even know what you're talking about. Okay, there you go. I think it's okay, you know, for people who like Star Wars. It's sort of like... Uh, you know, what Obi-Wan did between the pre, you know, the uh, prequels and the, and the later movies. I also saw a movie that I actually liked quite a bit with Adam Sandler called Hustle. He's kind of like a 50 something year old scout for the NBA and his career is sort of on the ropes, et cetera. And he goes to Europe and he finds this person on a, you know, a local playground in Spain who's, who's amazing. And it's a story of their, their relationship and things like that. And, Honestly, you know, with Adam Sandler, sometimes you get really puerile or really dumb movies. But this I thought was it was just fantastic. It reminded me in a weird way of like other fantasy sports movies like Hoosiers. I almost said like Miracle on Ice, but that's a true story. But, you know, that sort of thing. If people like enjoy those kinds of movies, I think they'll like this. But probably not family friendly. It was pretty family friendly. There's a I'm I'm serious. I, I, I can't remember if there was some language, maybe, but there was no. It was, I don't even think it's rated R. It might just be PG. I think it's pretty family friendly, but I, you know, 
I don't exactly remember. I am, uh, I, I'm, I once absolutely mortified one of my dear friends who works in Hollywood by telling her my secret shame was that I kind of like even the goofy Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> like them? Mm-hmm. I like them quite a bit. I was, uh, you know, I mean, I like Billy Madison and those early ones for sure. Um, I like him. I can't explain it. I feel like he's just the most normal Hollywood person there is in a yeah. weird way where he's just the guy you can't imagine in a suit, you know, just wears sh- cargo shorts and sweatshirts. And if I believe he's like a really good family man and, and all that. And um, so I kind of like him. Hmm. What are you watching? Anything? I haven't been watching a ton of stuff. I've been I've been playing a game which my friends Heidi and John turned me on to, which is called Redactyl. Uh, highly recommend it it's insane it's like wordle on steroids and what it is is (laughs) they take a wikipedia article and then they redact every word and then you have to guess words and as you guess them it uncovers it it's like they redact every word other than the of and a you know that kind of thing um and as you uncover words then it leads you to other areas you know you sort of like think maybe it's going in this direction maybe it's about an animal maybe it's about a concept maybe it's about a country um it's really fun except for the times when you just genuinely don't know oh and then then you win when you guess the title of the article so this is great except that sometimes like it's about a person i've literally never heard of so i can get everything else around it but i can't get the name because i just truly don't know who it is um so this is like a board game no it's not online it's i think it's called like redactyl.com and you aren't really penalized for guesses you just they don't they don't if you're wrong, you're wrong. And then you get like an accuracy rate at the end. So they'll say, oh, you guessed it in 420 guesses with an accuracy rate of 78%. You know, 78% of the words you put in were uncovered. Um, but it's just kind of fun, interesting. And then you get to read the Wikipedia article at the end. And I don't read Wikipedia because it's such crap, but the types of articles they're uncovering are a little bit less prone to the bias and politicization of most Wikipedia articles. I'm glad you brought up games, but you know, we're, my family, we're into like the board games. So we're still playing like settlers of Catan. I don't know if you've ever played that, but there's a new one. Someone gave me a, a friend called Azul and it's pretty cool. I can't explain to you what it's about. <laughs> it's kind of like patterns and you have to sort of put them together in a certain order. And there's a lot of strategy involved and it's just a fun game. So um, mad at settlers of Catan, but my kids are really good and my oldest kid in particular is really good so i just lose a lot when i play <laughs> it's just fun to sit around and play a board game with your family you know and um and i know there's this sort of trend of a lot of sort of a more complex games that people are playing and and and, and, and you know and i i enjoy them so um and if anyone Watch this segue. And if anyone has any recommendations on board games that they want to tell us about, they can uh, email us at radio at the federalist.com. That was very radio like of me, right? Mm, that was good. I, like I shouldn't it. actually mention it. I should just do it. Um, so anyway, um, that puts a cap in this week's episode. Awesome. Great talking to you, David. You too. Be lovers of freedom and anxious for the fray. 